Welcome to After the JAG Corps, Navigating Your Career Progression, a podcast for judge advocates leaving military service. After the JAG Corps assists officers transitioning from the military law practice by learning from individuals who have successfully embarked on new careers, providing insight on rewarding professional opportunities, job search strategies, resumes, the value of your military experience, and more. Now, here is your host, Tom Welsh. Our guest today is Aaron Stone, who retired from the Navy JAG Corps in 2017 and is now the Senior Director, Council and Chapter Affairs at Military Officers Association of America, commonly known as MOA, which is headquartered in Alexandria, Virginia. Aaron, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Tom. Glad to be here. Wanted to start off by if you could give us a little bit of background about your Navy career and the things that you did. Sure. I started out as a general unrestricted line officer and then transitioned through the law education program to the JAG Corps, spent 29 years in total, 20 of those as a JAG post-law school. And I was not a military justice career track person, but really followed that career track, if you will. Got my LLM in litigation and dispute resolution, worked my way up through the NILSO and DSO channels, defense counsel, XO, CO, DSO, Chief of Staff, and then finished up my career as an SJA at the Naval Academy. That's where I graduated from. So it was a good kind of bookend to the career. And in between those mill just jobs, I also had a couple of other SJA jobs, including to the VCNO and to Submarine Group 8. I think those were my two SJA tours, and I also worked at OLA. I think those are kind of my highlights. What did you do after you left the Navy? My plan was, and we can talk about how I got to this plan, but my plan was to go work for a nonprofit. I didn't have any particular nonprofit in mind. I wanted to work on something that I was passionate about. I was actually thinking something like gender equality, mental health, something like that. But I knew I wanted to work in the nonprofit world. And as things progressed, I actually thought I would take two months of terminal leave and then have a job. Turned into about seven months of not having a job. And I was beginning to panic a little bit. So I did a little bit of consulting work. I did some volunteer board work. I did some volunteer work with an organization you may know as Four Block. And then eventually those things turned into an interview and a position at the Military Officers Association of America. I started out at MOA in the Transition Center, worked there for about a year as a director of engagement, helping people transition from their military career into their first civilian job and or look for career progression, even if they'd been out for quite a period of time. After about a year and a half there in the transition center, a position came open to be a director in our council and chapter affairs. I did a lateral move over there, just looking for something a little bit different and perhaps more challenging. And then just earlier this year was promoted into the senior director position in the same division. 
you left at 29 years. So you're getting close to timing out. Was that coinciding with the end of your tour at the Naval Academy? Yes, it was. I might have been able to extend. I didn't ask for that, but I was at three years at the academy. I knew that that was a pretty popular position. So one, I didn't want to tie it up. But two, I really felt like I was ready to go. The academy needed somebody new. I needed something new. I followed the advice of one of our former JAGs, Admiral McPherson, who said to me when I was doing an informational interview with him, he said, you know, people always say, leave the Navy when you stop having fun. He says, I don't believe in that. He says, I believe in leave the Navy before you stop having fun. And I thought that was great advice. So it seemed like 29 years was right about the place to go. Seven months, that was including both terminal leave and after your retirement kicked in. Yes, exactly. So I was starting to panic a little bit. People kept saying, oh, your resume is great. You're not going to have any problem finding a job. <laughs> At about the seven month mark, I'm thinking, okay, why, why is my phone not ringing? <laughs> When did you really start in earnest looking for work? I will say it leading up to even before I went to the academy, I had taken the TAP class twice, I think, even before I got to the academy, towards the end of my CO tour, towards the end of my chief of staff tour, because I wanted to keep my eyes open and I wanted to be prepared. If I had to give people advice, I would say definitely do that TAP class before you think you're leaving, at least a year, if not a couple of years before. But I took it at about the 28-year mark. And then that's when I really started taking actions to make that transition. So I started building my network. I started doing informational interviews. I was doing that really a full year before I retired. And I know you don't look, you don't, you can't look for jobs that far in advance because people don't have jobs that far in advance. You got to wait a little bit closer. So I would say I, I just continued that same activity through those two months. And then I really started, okay, now I need to apply for some jobs and I need to start taking more aggressive steps towards getting a position. Did your eventual appointment with Four Block, was it through a job application or was it through a network? No. So Four Block was actually a volunteer position, mm. and that was through another volunteer position. One of the jobs that I had applied for very early on was as an executive director of a smaller nonprofit that worked with military members. And I did not get that job. I got very close, but didn't get the job. Instead, they offered me a position on the board. And I thought, well, you know what? That'll be a good thing to build my resume. I'm not working right now, so I might as well learn something about being in the nonprofit world as opposed to just thinking I know what it's like or researching it. I ended up being on this nonprofit board, serves wounded warriors. They wanted to hold a four-bot class for our clients. They asked, would you like to help with this course? You can facilitate the course specifically for these wounded warriors who are our clients. That seemed like a great opportunity since I had just done it myself and I got to know the four block people and I co-facilitated the class with one of the four block facilitators. It was networking and job interviews itself. It was just taking an opportunity as it presented itself. 
what skills or what attributes do you think is most helpful to you in getting to where you are now that doesn't necessarily come through on a resume? I would say the people skills, the leadership skills, as a JAG in particular, I would say no matter what your area of practice has been, all JAGs are skilled in written and oral communications. And that's going to be valuable no matter where you're going. In every position I've held, I have written sort of educational or persuasive pieces for other parts of the organization. So if we're, we're trying to do something in particular, I will take a look and give my edits to particular written communications. That's a huge piece of it, I think, that everybody has. The leadership and the ability to just be assertive, I think, is very helpful, not just in advocating for yourself to get the position. That certainly helps. But people really value the military officer's ability to be straightforward and give and give a straightforward answer, not just the, the answer that you think that person wants to hear, but really being able to present an opinion and explain why that's the opinion. Recap some of the positions you had. Defense counsel uh, as a senior defense counsel, then as a chief of staff of the Defense Service Organization, congressional liaison, staff judge advocate a few times, and then in leadership positions as the XO and CEO. How much did your adaptability play or what value did that bring to the table when you were looking for opportunities on the outside? That's a great question because I think you want to remain open and adaptable to the opportunities as they present themselves. So again, I was looking not to get in particularly to advocating in the military side of things or working in that side of the nonprofit world, but I was open to it and I took the opportunities where they presented themselves. We forget sometimes about all the soft skills. You know, I just mentioned a couple of them, but those soft skills are what helps you get in any position. I always told people when I was doing the transition work, you know, military people have such a unique opportunity, particularly when you're retiring. It is a defined career break. You can then look around and say, what do I want to do next? You shouldn't have to be tied to what did I do last or what would I how would I define my career and how do I continue that exact same career in the future? This is the opportunity of a lifetime to say, you know, I liked practicing law, but maybe I'd like to do something different. When I was leaving the Navy, I definitely enjoyed my JAG career. I definitely enjoyed practicing law. I'm not ruling that out as a future career, but I didn't feel like I had the experience and the knowledge and the confidence to move directly into the practice of nonprofit law. So I was open to getting into this position at MOA that had nothing to do with law. And I've found opportunities, what I'm doing now with councils and chapters, some issues arise, some legal issues arise. So I get to work pretty closely with our general counsel. I feel like now I would have the confidence to move into that kind of role if I if I felt like I wanted to at some point. So I think just that that being open and that being flexible, the double-edged sword, I guess, is that you have to make sure that when you're 
talking about your career, you don't emphasize too much that you bounced around a lot because then it's difficult for a employer to figure out exactly what it is that you do. You want to be able to define for them in a way that makes sense for the job they're looking to fill, how your skills fit that particular job. The beauty of it is you can define your skills and you can package them to fit just about any job that's out there, I would tell you, that you're interested in because you have that varied background. The word that stood out in that whole answer is confidence. Think about a career where you put in for these challenging jobs like uh, the Naval Academy, high-vis superintendent's office. It's a challenge, but I do it. And yet when we come to looking on the outside, all of a sudden, we're like, oh boy, I just don't know if I have it. We're really talking about confidence here, aren't we? Absolutely. So what advice would you give to someone who's transitioning now? Is there anything particular you tell them? Or to turn it around another way, is there anything you would have done differently? Yes. To combine those two things, I would say what I would have done differently would have been to take some time to unplug and completely just focus on what it is that I wanted to do. I didn't mention I also had worked with an executive coach for a little while That was actually several, about three or four years before I transitioned. And she led me through some exercises to try and figure out what my legacy would be. What was it that I wanted to do? That was helpful. It made me start thinking about it. But I always was doing that kind of work in conjunction with my day job. And I will tell you, this sounds really cliche and bizarre, but I was at, I guess I had been out for about four months. And I didn't have a job yet. And an opportunity came up to go on a one-week trek with Outward Bound to do an Appalachian Trail hike. It was with five veterans and two leaders. The whole focus was on you. No cell phones, no electronics, no nothing. Just talking about you and where your life has been and where it's going. It was just a week. But when I went into that one week opportunity, I was sure I wanted to go be an executive director somewhere. As we talked about it through the week, this light bulb came up over my head and said, why? Why do you want to be in charge of something? The answer to myself was, well, obviously that's what I do. You know, I've been a department head and an XO and a CEO, and that's the next step. And then I thought, no, I want to have a quality of life. I want to enjoy my job. I don't want to have an immense amount of pressure. I want to flip my priorities. Work isn't going to be number one anymore. Don't tell Moa I said that, but they know that. They know that I'm here and I'm doing something that I really love to do, but it isn't what I initially set out to do. And I don't think I would have come to that conclusion had I not just said, I am going to just focus on me and what it is I want for my life at this point. And then let's figure out how the job fits in there. That would be what I would do differently is figure that out sooner. My biggest piece of advice is really in that same vein, look inward and figure out what you liked about your career and how you can go forward 
with that same goal in mind. For me, at the academy, one of the things I loved was constitutional law. I, oh, I thought I loved constitutional law because I hadn't done it my whole JAG career since law school. I thought it was so much fun to figure out these problems of admissions questions and all kinds of really cool stuff. When I sat down and I thought about it and I tried to draw to get a similarity between that and what I loved about all my other jobs, which were mostly defense counsel jobs. And then I looked at my SJA jobs. The common thread was I enjoyed helping people. If I could help my admiral figure out a solution to something, if I could help my client figure out a solution to something, if I could help the academy figure out a solution to something, I was happy and fulfilled. That's really what led me to nonprofit work was I just wanted to continue to feel good about what I was doing and feeling like my work was contributing to something that was good. Have you had people reach out to you through your network of active duty folks getting ready to make that since you've left the Navy? Do you still hear from people? Oh, yeah. All the time. All the time. I guess it's getting fewer and fewer or there, there are less people that I knew um, directly because all of a sudden you feel like, who are all these people in the Jaguar? I haven't even been gone that long. <laughs> people will say, oh, reach out to Erin. She's at MOA. And we're well known for our transition assistance program. We now do all the transition course for generals, for GOs in the Army, and the one for the Navy and Marine Corps, too. So it's kind of nice that we have that level of expertise. So a lot of times people will advise others to seek me out just because of that connection with MOA. What, what does your job entail now? MOA has a staff of 84 people. Most people probably know we're an advocacy organization. We advocate for rights and benefits, uh, compensation for military members and veterans. After having worked at OLA, didn't want to have anything to do with the part of the (laughs) organization that goes to Capitol Hill. But in order to promote our brand throughout the country, we have almost 400 councils and chapters, affiliate organizations. They're independent, but we support and make recommendations in terms of what they should be doing as a MOA affiliate. My job is to oversee those 400 chapters. So I'm very excited that we just got back on the road after a whole year of being out. I go out, I visit the chapters, I talk to the people in the chapters, I find out what their challenges are, what their best practices are, I share those, we do a bunch of training, we put together a bunch of tools, technology, communications, all kinds of stuff to support the councils and chapters. It, it brings me back to working with people. I really enjoyed. I have a tiny little team, our small but mighty team of councils and chapters people. We've got five on the team, which is just perfect. I'm not sure I need to be in charge of any more than that. And I'm very happy. So Aaron, where can people find you if you want to be found? If I want to be found, I the best place to find me would be on LinkedIn. And my LinkedIn address is just the the typical LinkedIn beginning. And my name on there is Erin Eileen Stone. So very easy to find me. And in fact, I've got a lot of stuff up there related to my transition work. So if we can provide you some resources from MOA or personally MOA member or not, just reach out to me. I'm very interested in paying it forward and helping other JAGs particularly transition to their first career. And just know that it's very exciting. I'm excited for everybody who's transitioning because there's just a world of possibilities out there and I wish everybody well. 
Well, Aaron, thank you very much. Thank you for being my test here. I'm surprised the time has gone by as quickly as it has. I've been taking notes, by the way, and I really appreciate your time appearing on this podcast. So thank you. It's been my pleasure. Thank you, Tom. Thank you for listening. If you like this podcast, be sure to subscribe and tell your friends. After the Jag Corps is a TJW 50 Associates LLC production. 